In 2010, West Virginia University shocked the country with a Big East Tournament Championship and a Final Four run. This is the Final Forecast, 10 years later special. A series dedicated to honoring one of the greatest basketball teams in Mountaineer basketball history. Now, over to our host, Jeff Coyle. Welcome back to the Final Forecast 10-Year Special, a series dedicated to honoring one of the greatest teams in Mountaineer basketball history. This is Episode 5. 10 Years Later is brought to you exclusively by the Book Exchange, where Mountaineers go since 1934. Choose from the largest selection of Mountaineer gear in the state of West Virginia, with thousands of styles from brand favorites Nike, Champion, Columbia, and more. Shop at either Morgantown location, downtown at 152 Willie Street, or Evansdale at 342 Pattison Drive, or purchase online at bookexchangewv.com. Hey everybody, I'm Jeff Coyle. I was one of the reporters at the time who traveled with this team to New York in the Big East Tournament, then Buffalo, Syracuse, and finally Indianapolis on the way to the Final Four. When we left off in our fourth episode, West Virginia had just shocked the nation. A win over number one Kentucky had WVU marching on to its first Final Four since all the way back in 1959. The Mountaineers were set to face Duke in Indianapolis. The Blue Devils mostly cruised to their spot in the semifinal round. The Mountaineers had already cemented their celebrity status in West Virginia. But that week back in Morgantown, they had turned the town delirious. The people of West Virginia felt truly that a national championship was possible. In reality, it was just two games away. Junior guard Joe Mazzula. You know, I think it was also giving people a lot of hope. You know, I think at the time they had those um, the mining accidents. And I think the games were being live streamed in the mines. So, like, we were just, we were the most important thing at the time in the state of West Virginia. Uh, and, and everybody had different reasons. You know, uh, I think we were, like I said, we were bringing hope to people. Uh, we were bringing excitement to others. We were bringing entertainment. Um, so we were just kind of the center of all the attention there. Before Bob Huggins and his team traveled to Indianapolis, they were given a goodbye and a good luck at the Coliseum. More than 4,000 fans showed up to send them off. Everyone was living in the moment, with hope, with confidence. Everyone in that building, on that day, believed that West Virginia was about to go all the way. Sophomore forward Kevin Jones. It's weird because I didn't think as much people would show up to that uh, just to send off, just sending us off. But uh, it was a lot of people there. And um, I was just thinking to myself, man, I made the like I made the right decision coming here. Like that's all I felt like I could think to myself is that like the family and the support that we had and um, and in this moment, everybody wants to share this moment with us and everybody's so happy for us. It was it was a great feeling, man, and um, it gave us a lot of confidence knowing that we had the um, the state behind our um, on our back uh, while we went out and tried to win a national ch- national title. That was a that was a big support boost for us, and uh, I know we all felt grateful for it. And I think it just it gave us a lot of momentum going into the uh, the final four. I felt like the scoreboard at the send off read two more. That was the goal, and then it said. Time to make history. We are we are so happy that uh, 
we represent the greatest people in the world. You know, when I was a player here, uh, one of the assistant football coaches came up to me one day and put his arm around me and he said, Hugs, I want you to remember this for the rest of your life. The greatest resource in the state of West Virginia and coal, it's his people. I want you people to know how much we appreciate you and uh, we certainly couldn't have done this without you. Thank you. The Mountaineers made their way to Indianapolis and Lucas Oil Stadium, where tens of thousands would watch them take on Duke. The NFL stadium held more than 70,000. The place was packed. The lights were bright. The stage was larger than life. Senior forward Wellington Smith. It was pretty crazy, to be perfectly honest with you. So as we're walking into Lucas Oil Stadium, um, a few things that we had to do, right? There were... Uh, there was you know, a, a promotional or a promotional video or, or some would call it a commercial um, that, you know, all of us had to be a part of, or at least the starters. And, you know, that was different because there were, you know, green backgrounds and uh, we, we, we were going to be in, you know, part of these, uh, these commercials that were stills of us uh, in our squad. Um, you know, so that was different. That took time. And then there was the interviews, you know, where it wasn't just interviews that were broken up into, um, you know, where it had like three or four guys on a panel. It was interviews of one person in one room, one like conference room of a hotel or something, and then interviews of another person in another conference room and so on and so forth, right? So reporters had the opportunity or people that were part of the media uh, had their opportunity to to go from one room to the next and ask each player questions. Now, I'm not sure you, you were, you probably, you've seen it, you saw a clip of Eli Manning uh, when he goes into a room and, and it's just one guy uh, that wanted to ask him questions after a game. Uh, that's what I felt like. <laughs> you know, where you have Kevin Jones, Deshaun Butler, Devin Ebanks, uh, and Joe Mazzula uh, after the run that Joe had, uh, you know, walk into and, and, and have interviews. And then you only had one or two people uh, in my in my room. And then you had like 30, probably 30 or 40 people in other, everybody else's rooms. Yeah, I felt like Eli at the time. It was almost, it was overwhelming. I can't lie. Obviously, I don't think any one of us has been in a uh, stadium that big um, for any kind of sporting event. So it was just like, like you said, it didn't feel like we were supposed to be playing basketball there, but at the same time, you wanted to be prepared for the moment, and you couldn't let it, uh, you couldn't let it overwhelm you too much. And uh, that's what I just tried to do. Me personally, it was just uh, try to go out there, not force anything. You know, we we're, we're still gonna go out there and play our game, and um, we knew our fans, our fan base would be behind us. They always uh, did a great job of showing support. Like I said, so. We, we didn't really have any worries. I think we were more just excited uh, for the most part. Everybody was just talking about, like, how crazy this game was going to be and what what our plans were for the game and what we felt like we were going to do for the game. And, it yeah, it was a surreal moment. And um, I just remember because I remember I think the court was, like, on a higher level. I think you had to, like, walk up to get to the court, if I'm not mistaken. Did you have to walk up to get – yeah. Yeah, from the – from from the bench so i thought that was just like super weird and i was just like yeah this is just, 
it felt like a it didn't feel like a like a basketball game and just like it felt bigger than like a basketball game if that makes any sense so um we just tried to uh tried not to hype ourselves up too much and just focus on the task at hand freshman forward dennis kalichla i couldn't believe it uh, it felt like a video game uh, for all of us too you know cameras flying by and all that stuff and you know lucas oil just huge you don't if you don't see it you can't imagine something like this you know people tell you a hundred thousand people can fit in there you go okay hundred thousand people yeah one two three hundred thousand okay I, I get it but you don't you don't you don't get it till you see it for a few days west virginia was on the nation's stage they were prodded by media they were examined by thousands during open practice it was so different from the usual in fact it was so unusual that it caught the team off guard. It was great. I just wish we would have handled it better. From that, from winning the game until the start of the Duke game, I felt like we could have handled it better. You know, I just thought we took the foot off the gas a little bit in the way we prepared and just our mindset as a team. You know, and I think Duke was really prepared for us. Not that we didn't, you know, prepare as like a staff or anything like that. I just thought mentally and emotionally. And that week of all the media attention, all the hoopla, all the stuff that comes with going to the Final Four, thought it kind of took a toll on us mentally a little bit. It was clear, though, that Indianapolis was filled with Mountaineers. All four teams were relatively close to their home. Duke was the farthest away at a little over nine hours in the car. But it just seemed like WVU's distinct golden blue stood out the most. Assistant coach Larry Harrison. People in Indianapolis said they... You know, they've really never seen a turnout like that with so many people, you know, from West Virginia. We we pretty much took over Indianapolis that year. And uh, it, it was just, you know, like I said, in my coaching career, you know, that year and that time from, from the Big East Championship to going to the Final Four, that was probably the best month of, of my, my uh, coaching career. The surprise of the tournament, five-seeded Butler, defeated the number one and two seeds in its bracket to make it to Indianapolis. Michigan State, another five-seed, found its way to Indy after crucial upsets made its path easier. These two teams matched up in game one of the Final Four, and Butler came away with a two-point win, 52-50. to WVU was coming off of 10 straight wins. And honestly, Bob Huggins was just telling his team to savor the moment, have fun, and give it your all. This matchup with Duke was pretty similar to WVU's previous game. It was West Virginia's first Final Four in 51 years. Duke, on the other hand, well, they'd been there 11 times just with head coach Mike Krzyzewski. The Mountaineers were 31-6. Duke was 33-5. The game would be the primetime matchup of the Final Four. Duke was led by its big three of point guard Nolan Smith, shooting guard John Shire, and forward Kyle Singler. The trio averaged more than 53 points each time out on the court. Shire led the team with just over 18 a game, and Smith was on fire in the NCAA tournament, averaging 18.5 points during the first four outings. The Blue Devils were big inside. They finished the regular season ranked 12th nationally in rebounding margin. Brian Zubek was the team's biggest inside body. At over 7 foot, he was averaging more than 10 rebounds per game in the NCAA tournament. Singler, Lance Thomas, Mason Plumley, and Miles Plumley made up a much scrappier front line than the Mountaineers had faced against Duke two years earlier. The Blue Devils didn't have many weaknesses. 
It showed in their NCAA tournament performances, outscoring their opponents by an average of 16 points per game. Duke was the heavy favorite to win the national championship. But this squad of Mountaineers, they just loved upsetting favorites. West Virginia, of course, was led by Deshaun Butler, who had made himself into one of the best players in the country. He was averaging 17.4 points, 6.4 rebounds, and 36 minutes per game. One of the most clutch players in the country. And yet, with all of the Duke talent on the court that Saturday night, there was no doubt that Butler and that entire WVU team were being overshadowed. The Mountaineers weren't a one-man team in the NCAA tournament. Both Kevin Jones and Devin Ebanks averaged in double figures in all four games, and Joe Mazzulla was making magic in March. Truck Bryant, who was previously ruled out for the rest of the season after breaking a bone in his foot, had been working with specialists to develop a custom orthotic that could allow him to play either in the Final Four or, more likely, in the National Championship game if WVU were to advance. Bob Huggins had been earning some headlines, too. ESPN columnist Rick Riley wrote a scathing article in which he wrote, quote, I don't like Bob Huggins. Then he went on to list a whole bunch of reasons why he felt that way. Huggins would prove Riley so wrong in the second half of the Mountaineers game against Duke. But we'll get to that in just a few minutes. This matchup had a bit of revenge in it for the Blue Devils. They'd been embarrassed two years earlier by WVU in the NCAA tournament. The seventh-seeded Mountaineers outworked and out-toughed Duke. Heck, they even outslapped the floor, which is a Blue Devils tradition, on the way to earning a 73-67 upset. Many of the veteran Mountaineers knew what it meant to beat Duke, and they weren't afraid. I wouldn't say we got too confident. I think it was just, you know, going into that, that Duke game, you know, we were ready. Uh, I think it was just about... You know, they had some some memories of the, you know, the, the game in 2008, um, you know, where Joe Alexander went up against two or three you know, Blue Devils and put up a layup where Cam pushed somebody down. Joe, I think it was Joe Henderson down and stepped over him uh, where Joe just went one on four, one on five. Missoula, that is, um, against Nolan Smith. They had some some bad blood there. Leading up to the game, West Virginia wore new T-shirts around Lucas Oil Stadium. They read... Do what we do, with a flying WV logo just above that slogan. What they had done was to surprise the nation. And that was the plan, again, on Saturday night in Indianapolis, in front of the whole country. That night, more than 70,000 packed into the home of the Indianapolis Colts for the biggest basketball game in WVU history. The crowd definitely seemed to favor the Mountaineers. The players stepped onto the raised court and, on top of the Final Four logo, Devin Ebanks out-jumped Brian Zubek to earn the opening tip. Curtis Shaw, Randall McCall, and John Higgins initiating this one. And the ball belongs at the start to West Virginia. Both of these teams primarily man-to-man defensive teams that want to apply pressure on the ball. And I think we've got a five-second count there on Joe Mazzulla. Huggins says, are you kidding me? I'm going to call that the first time down the floor. Almost immediately, Bob Huggins was left shaking his head. The Mountaineers' first offensive possession ended in a turnover on a five-second violation. It was quickly looking like this would be a battle of defenses. Duke's size and length were certainly a problem for WVU. 
The Mountaineers struggled with turnovers early on in the game, and after taking a 4-2 lead, the Blue Devils used some constant pressure to keep WVU off track. Without a rhythm, the Mountaineers allowed Duke to dictate the tempo, and that was a rare occurrence during the 10-game win streak. Now, despite all that, WVU kept it close through the first 10 minutes, even if it looked clear that they were not at their best. Following a missed hook shot by Dennis Kalichla, Shire knocked in a three after a nice pass from Zubek to give Duke a 21-14 lead. At this point, Butler was still scoreless, and Duke was getting shot after shot and winning the offensive rebound battle. While WV was able to keep up, it just felt like the Mountaineers were doing just enough to hang on. Duke had firm control of the game throughout the first half. In fact, John Flowers was one of the lone highlights in the first half when he hit two three-pointers. The second one came with under eight to play in the half to bring the Mountaineers within two at 23-21. to Junior forward John Flowers. Well, that game I remember I got in, we were kind of struggling on offense a little bit. I don't know who I came in for. I think I came in for Deshaun and immediately just hit two threes in a row. And you could tell Duke didn't really prepare for that. It's just leaving me open at the top of the key. And I was just shooting it in, you know what I mean? Because that's what I do. An 8-0 run with threes from Singler and Smith forced Huggins to call a timeout with just under six left in the half. Duke was hot, and West Virginia was in trouble. Butler finally scored his first points with just over four minutes to play, and WVU went into the locker room down 39-31. to Duke had shot 53% in the first half, plus they'd out-rebounded WVU by seven. You know, it, taking a page out of, you know, the Villanova book, um, you know, taking a page out of, um, you know, our entire season, really, uh, and being down um, large at, you know, after a first half, you know, it's something we've, we've seen before, right? And we knew that if we could just, if we could just break through doing something, right? Get a few stops in a row, get a score, um, you know, do it again, then, yeah, we'll, we'll be in the game, right? And they can't consistently shoot the way that they did in the second half. There's no way. In the second half, it was much of the same. WVU is in catch-up mode trying to hit threes and find its way around a larger Duke squad. Through the first four minutes of the half, well, it seemed to be working. They cut a 10-point lead in half. But that trend didn't stay for long. Duke took advantage of some uncharacteristically sloppy play from WVU and eventually built up a 58-44 lead with just under 12 minutes to play. West Virginia was in trouble. If the Mountaineers could find a way to win they'd have to turn it around quickly. Down 63-48 to with under nine minutes to go, Butler drove into a crowded lane, got caught between a mix of Zubek, Singler, and Shire, and his knee buckled. He fell to the court in immediate agony as the Duke players celebrated a charge call just feet away. Grasping at his left knee, trainer Randy Metter went to Butler's side. He was just stunned with pain. When Deshaun went down, you know, it's kind of like, okay, he's down, but he's going to get up. You know, he, he's going to be all right. And um, and when they came back and told us that he was he was done, you know, it, it really it really hit hard. You know, 
not, not, not only because of the game, but because of him. You know, felt sorry for Deshaun that he couldn't finish, you know, what he started. See him going down like that. And I, uh, I don't know if you can remember, the benches uh, were like under the, under the court. So like we would lean on the court. So uh, it was very close. Your ears were very close where the action was going on. It wasn't like our gym. And I heard his knee snap. And if you watch the video, you'll see me if they stopped the game or not. I just, I don't even remember that. I just got up and ran. I was like, oh shit, it's bad. And then I just got up and ran. I remember he went down and I didn't think it was that serious at first. I thought he was just being dramatic. Deshaun, Deshaun's dramatic. And uh, I was just like, oh, it's just another Deshaun being dramatic again. And then it just turned out to be crazy. And then I saw Hugs come out there and do that whole schmill, which was just amazing. I never saw Hugs and that be that, you know, sentimental. Is that the word? I thought Hugs was going to come out, kick him, and tell him get, get up, you know what I mean? But I think Hugs knew something was serious from the beginning. Senior forward Deshaun Butler. Landing on two and feeling like a sharp pain in my knee, that was a foreign thing. <laughs> I never had any knee issues, like, ever. Um, I'm not going to lie, I knew nothing about injuries. Like, even when Cam Thurman had his injuries in college, like, I didn't – like, I talked to him about it, like, how he felt more or less, but I never got to the specifics of, like, what bothered him or what happened. Uh, I always think about that now because it's like, wow, like, when I rehabbed and even I have my knee issues, like, to this day, like, I always sit there and go, like, why did I never even ask him about this? Like, this is, like, a sucky process. Like, I live with him, and we didn't really talk about it because I didn't want to bring it, like, a negative, like, a, a negative vibe into the scenario while we're hanging out to talk to him about something that's just, like, probably definitely bothers him. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it wasn't like, it wasn't anything I was like really familiar with. So like in my mind, I'm like, yo, this shit hurts. But just like when I sprain my ankle or when I do anything else, I'm like, maybe I just need some time off to like get everything situated. Like I just need a minute. And that wasn't the case. <laughs> like I had no idea. Like I knew I hurt, but I just didn't know how bad it was per se. So I knew I probably wouldn't play the rest of the game, but I wasn't sure either. It was just like a lot of like uncertainty and it's all happening like in front of a baseball field. I mean, excuse me, a football field of people. So I was just like, uh, it was uh, probably like the most uncomfortable I've probably been in like my entire life kind of. Huggins walked out onto the court to the paint where his best player was lying on his back. Butler's hands were clenched tight together on his forehead. Uh, it, to my mind, and I, I say this before uh, jokingly, but, you know, Deshaun, is, that wasn't the only time Deshaun had fell down, like, very hard and fell on his back or something like that. He's actually had a fall, I want to say, earlier in that season before that actually looked worse than that. And I, and I think where he, like, fell on his back or something, and we thought he was, like, seriously hurt, and then he got up and shaked it off, and, you know, he was good to play. So I didn't really think anything of it until, you know, a couple minutes passed, and it's like he can't get up, and Coach Huggins is standing over him, and he's crying, and you really realize the, the gravity of the situation. Huggins leaned down and put his arms around Butler's head as the senior began to visibly cry. 
the nation was watching as all of this unfolded. 70,000 in the stadium were watching too. First, in collective, stunned silence. Then, a sound began to build in the stadium. It started in the WVU student section, and it spread. Suddenly, fans from all of the teams in Indianapolis that day were joining in. They were chanting his name. Deshaun Butler. An acknowledgement of the player and the person who had stolen the hearts of America's basketball fans as he led West Virginia on the court. But whatever was happening around them, however loud that chant of his name rang out, for Butler and for Huggins, in that moment, it was just the two of them. Like I'm a real big, I don't know if anybody knows this, probably you do, because I'm always come back here in the summer, but I'm a big coach, like Huggins, like supporter, like super, 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 like Huggins fan. So, you know, his whole thing during the year, which he never really talked about ever, like, you know, we always brought in a national champs, and I know he wants his national championship. And that would be awesome to win a national championship, you know what I mean? To be one of those, like, players that – to have that have that honor to win a championship and so on and so forth. And I knew that was, like, you know, that's one of the things, like, he talks about his teams, like, to us all the time. King and Martin this and – Met Jason Maxill that and so on and so forth. And all these guys he had, they like did great things for him. And it's like I wanted our team to do something great for him. So when the time came by, when we're older, that's something he always brought up. You know, this team, this is the team that got him the national championship. You know, he got his first sweet sixteen. Not first, excuse me, he got his sweet sixteen with us his first year. <laughs> like, it would be awesome to get a national championship with the same group that he got the Sweet 16 with his very first year. And, you know, we weren't the guys he recruited. That's like one of those things. Like it just proves that to me that our team was our team was full of great players because we can have one coach that had a completely different philosophy and then get a new coach is on the other side of that. And, uh, and then still our players still find a way to, like, do great things. So, like, I wanted the national championship really bad. So, when that happened, it was more or less like, I'm sorry I couldn't get that done for you. Like, I really wanted it. Like, I explained it to him. I was like, I really wanted that for you and for our team. And I'm sorry I couldn't get you that. More apologies than anything. It was just more like, shut up type, you know, I was like, knock it off. Like, you did everything you possibly could. Calm down. I love you. Things like that. Which is, like, awesome because my parents can't be on the floor. So, it was just like... Forever, he's like the best coach to like have ever coached me type deal. Head coach Bob Huggins. Well, I think the first thing that that went through my mind was Kenyon Martin. That Kenyon Martin, who was unquestionably the best player in the country, there wasn't any, there wasn't a close second. He was the best player in the country, and he went down in the conference tournament and with with a broken leg, and he was a surefire first pick in a draft. And and he's laying out there, and I'm like, oh man, you got to be kidding me, you know. It's and then all kind of things go through your head, and then when you know when day went down, the first thing I think is, oh no, oh my God, it can't happen again, you know. And uh, you go out there, and it's 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 more. I don't know. I think I think people think you you think about 
well, there goes the there goes the rest of the season or the rest of the game or whatever. It's it, it, it's never is or was about that. It was about you got a you got a guy laying there who uh, had a hell of a career ahead of him, and would he be able to continue his career? How how much is this going to affect you know his ability to to continue to play the game that he loves so much? Well, it's it, it, it's kind of eerie because the first thing that Kenyon said was, "Coach, I'm sorry, I'm sorry." You know, wanted to win a national championship for you so bad, and and went out today, and it was it was the same thing. I mean, they what what make guys like that so special is that it's not about them. You know, even though they're they're the best player, they're the you know they're the first team all americans they're the ones that everybody looks to uh you know to to make a play and it's never been about them you know either one of them it, it was they were they were uh two of the greatest teammates that that I've ever seen and two teammates that everybody liked and everybody cared about and and uh it's just uh it's it's I think the two worst things that's ever happened to me and and I've been in athletics since I could walk pretty much and and it's it's the it's the worst thing that I've ever been involved with and because you just you feel so so bad for them you know it it, it the, I know how hard they worked I know what it took for them because I was with them you know in the journey um and and you see what they they went through and then all of a sudden it's it's gone butler's agony was evident he reached out his right arm and smacked the court as his head coach wiped away his tears at that point i was thinking dude you're on this guy we got to get him the fuck out of here you know we we got to get him out of here we got to get him to the hospital because i heard it go you know snap we got to get him out of here. Stop, you know, hugging this guy. Let's get him out of here. But now when I think about it, he knows more than I do, of course. He knew what happened. He uh, And he uh, had the same type of situation happen to him with uh, Kenny Martin. So he knew what was going on and he knew what he had to say to Deshaun to calm him down. And, I mean, you don't see anybody doing that. Now I'm pro for, what, eight seasons? Now my, this is my eighth season. And you never see that kind of collection, uh, connection between a coach and a player in pros, 100%. But in college, either. I never seen a coach do that kind of thing. A minute later, Butler was helped off the floor into the team bench his left foot just dragging behind him on the floor. His night was over. His career was over. And such a productive player, and you look at Coach Huggins and I'll tell you, that's trying pretty to strong. console him. Yeah, yeah, that is really a very powerful moment there, looking yep. at Bob Huggins. Yeah, you see the emotion My goodness. on his face. Mm, mm, mm. That's Bob Huggins' wife there on the left. And Deshaun being helped off. Not able to bear oh, any boy. weight at all. Oh, oh my wow. goodness. 
That is so terrible to see. You go four years. You're one of the top five players, they'll all tell you, in the history of West Virginia basketball. Giving it your all on the biggest stage. And you have to be helped. You know, everybody sees, and I, and I get this question even now, right? They, they see the, the, the red face, the screaming, and the, and the yelling, and, and, you know, no one really watches the post-game speeches or the pre-game speech. Um, or you know the pregame radio talk because he, the way that I'm talking now is how he talks, right? Calm, subdued, wants to give you a solid answer. Um, that is, but you know when he when he sees you after a long period of time of not seeing you, there's a bear hug, there's a uh, there's a conversation. How are you doing? How's the wife? How's the kids? Uh, and even if you're just if you're even in the in the season, it's Hey, how's school? You know, how's life? What's going on with that girlfriend? What's what's you know? It's it, it's it's something that people don't get a chance to see because it's all on TV, unfortunately. Um, you know, so this is a side of hugs that we always knew was there, right? He was a father figure to most, um, and uh, a mentor to to a lot of folks. Um, you know, so we all knew that we all knew that hugs. Uh, at least the guys on, on our team and our, and our program did. Um, it's something that a lot of people around the, the state of West Virginia probably didn't know of him. Assistant coach Billy Hahn. That was a true definition of Bob Huggins. Bob Huggins has a tremendous heart. Bob Huggins has a tremendous uh, spirit to him. For players, Bob Huggins has a tremendous loyalty to players and to his staff and to his family. He is a very loyal guy who is full of good spirit and goodwill. So seeing Bob Huggins kneel over and talking to Deshaun, and that whole picture that America saw didn't surprise me one bit. That did not shock Billy Hahn at all because that's the Bob Huggins that I know. Everyone involved in the West Virginia side of this game had just gone through such a storm of emotions, and yet there were still nine minutes left to play, and the Mountaineers were down by 15. I could see it on everybody's face that you know the game was no longer important anymore. It was like, is Deshaun okay? Is he going to be okay for the future? Like our whole focus just shifted, and um, it it was a sad sight, man. And it's um, I think it's just one of those things that you'll never forget, but not for a good reason. Um, and uh, it's just unfortunate that it went down like that, especially at a in a season where he was playing so well all year. And it was it was all downhill from there. Unfortunately, you know we, you know individually we tried to do what we could do. Um, but yeah, there was, you know, once, once your leader, uh, once your, uh, you know, your captain, the guy that, that really got us there, you know, once he went down, it was, it was tough to, to rebound and get, and get back to, um, and say that we could win that game. West Virginia just wasn't the same without Butler. They didn't have the firepower needed to make up the deficit. There's no point in time in the game where I was like, yo, we're going to lose this game until maybe Deshaun got hurt. I don't even think after that, I thought we were going to lose. 
I thought that was my time to, you know, step up and be Deshaun Butler on this gigantic stage. But I think I missed my next two shots. And then I remember distinctly Hugs. <laughs> he actually drove a play for me. And I missed the shot. And he, I remember distinctly he called me over to the bench. He was like, damn, you can't score on Nolan Smith. And Nolan Smith, <laughs> he went to the NBA. He's a good player, but he's like 6'4", you know, I was 6'7". So I drove and I just missed the layup and then Hug said, you suck. I don't think anything went wrong, uh, honestly. They were very determined. They hit a lot of, and don't, like this Duke, they may not have been the best Duke team ever, but they had a lot of talent. They had uh, Kyle Singler, um, Nolan Smith, um, all these guys uh, that, you know, that played some time in the, in the league. So they were a talented team. Um, but I think they just had our number. It's just some of those, one of those games when a team just has your number and they're hitting shots and they're, and they're working on all cylinders. And um, we, we tried, you know, we tried to fight back. We weren't ever, we never gave up. And then the whole thing happened with Deshaun, which was just deflating. But I think at that point, even with uh, Deshaun getting hurt, a lot of people like to say, well, if Deshaun didn't get hurt, then, you know, it may have been a different outcome. But I think, you know, I think the way the game was going, they had a momentum that even if Deshaun didn't get hurt, it was going to be hard to come back in that game. But you never know. It might, you know, we, we might have got back into it. But I think that was just one of those games where a team has your number. The Mountaineers did their best to end the game with a respectable final score and ultimately lost 78 to 57. Duke would go on to beat Butler in the national championship game two days later. With one minute and eight seconds remaining, Huggins took a timeout to sub out his starters. As they came off of the court, he hugged them. First Devin Ebanks, then both Jones and Smith. For me, being a senior at the time, it was more of an eye-opening experience, like, damn, this is over, (laughs) right? Like, there's no more practice for me there's no more planning for the next season this is it right so as i'm as i'm thinking through this moment and 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 bringing everything in i'm also thinking like wow i experienced this anymore and and that's when i got like i got i got i got sad to be perfectly honest with you i got sad i got I got started thinking like, what, what else is there going to be um, if I can't have something like this ever again? As soon as the game ended, the two teams shook hands and the Mountaineers' magical run was over. The focus almost immediately returned to Butler. You know what? It was, um, it was one of those things where I was like, damn, hopefully it's just a tweak, right? And it's, or hyperextension or something. Um, you know, cause it's just to see it in real time, it wasn't, you know, I, I didn't know that he just he just landed awkwardly. Uh, unfortunately, it, it wasn't, and um, it was. I mean, it, Deshaun doesn't doesn't tear his ACL. Uh, shoot, man, maybe we, we win that game, right? Uh, I hate to put that on him, but maybe we do. Uh, he goes and makes millions of dollars in the NBA. Uh, is a first round pick, probably a top 15, 20 pick in the draft and is, is living the life. Um, you know, so all those, I'm not going to say all those things flashed in my mind when he was going through that. Um, 
but you know i would say that you know man i, I no one wishes that kind of thing on their worst enemy you know last game of the of the season you know, and you're getting and you get hurt uh and it's 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 just it's tough to it's tough to go back and relive to think about because his life could be totally different right now sophomore guard truck bryant my perspective that's the difference between Deshaun being a thousandaire, which he is obviously now, but in a millionaire. I mean, that's the that's the difference, and and it's sad to watch. Let alone it's sad for a per- to watch a person go through it, but when it's your brother, it's even worse. I was like, I was hurt from that, and I was already hurt. You know what I mean? But this is some guy who never been hurt his whole career, and Tez ACL his last college game. It was it was it was it was crazy. It was crazy. It's uh it's sad that it went out the way it did because uh he I I know I feel like I have a good idea that he would still be in the league right now playing if that didn't happen and um be having a great career too in the league. So um that was just a special year for all of us, but especially Deshaun. Heading into the game, Butler was the 21st best prospect of the 2010 NBA draft, according to NBADraft.net. In the end, despite the injury and eventual surgery. He was picked 44th overall by the Miami Heat. You know, I would say he's resilient, and that's just the way he's been raised. Um, and that's the kind of guy you want to you want to be around. Uh, that's the kind of person you want to, uh, you know, to to coach your kids one day. Uh, that's the kind of person you want your kids to even be around. Um, knowing that, you know, man, I went through X, Y, Z you know, X, X, double Y, double Z, right? I've been through everything and, and, and I, I've, I've gotten a way to get through it all. Um, and, and in some instances, everybody has that portion, that point, or those points in life where they have a, a decision to make a good one or a bad one. And, he's, and it seems like he has made every single good decision that he could have made. Just a great leader, to be honest, great, like my big brother, big brother, still to this day, still to this day, we, we, me and him is super tight, super close. For me, Deshaun was always like the, uh, he was a superb leader. He was my captain. And also he was like an older brother to me. He taught me things. He taught me, I'll tell you this, uh, you know, the, uh, what, yeah, the voicemail, yeah, like, what you know, hi, it's Dennis, whatever, right? So it was my first month and I got this phone and this number. So I was going to do my voicemail thing. And this is what I say. <laughs> hi, I am Dennis. And blah, blah, blah. I'm not there right now. Call me, whatever. So you, you know, you should say it's Dennis. And because I had a thicker accent back then, thicker than what it is right now, um, he made fun of me for like uh, a week, you know, because they called me for some reason and I didn't open or my phone was off. And then I went to practice and he goes, oh, hi, I am Dennis. I'm destroyer of the world. And, you know, he taught me things like that also, how to act in the court and you know, he showed by example, your coaches will tell you what to do and, you know, kind of show you, but they have to explain. Hugs can't show you, you know, how to act in certain situations, but Deshaun can. 
that's how important that's so important in a team to have a guy like Deshaun. And for me, being my first year, being my first experience away from home, being my first experience in in a, you know college basketball and a higher level of basketball than what I was used to, he taught me so many things without knowing that he was teaching me. And, you know, I told him this too. I don't know how I can pay you back, man. There's no way I can pay you back. In the locker room after the game, tears flowed. Emotions were high. The dream had turned into disaster. Every player felt the same pain that Butler felt. The Mountaineers had done their best. On that night, they came up against a Duke team that had played perhaps to its fullest potential. It did not end the way that West Virginia and its 1.8 million had hoped, but this team made each and every one of them proud in defeat. This team showed the nation what it truly means to be a Mountaineer. Grit, determination, an intensity to beat the unbeatable, to overcome anything. And they were so close. Looking back on it now, this team, and that magical run set West Virginia on a path for success. Sure, they've had a few down years along the way, but the winning mentality and the expectations of toughness were built on the backs of Butler, Ebanks, Jones, Smith, Missoula, Bryant, and everyone else wearing the WVU uniform that season. When the team returned to Morgantown, the fans were waiting. It's like we won a national championship when we came back. That's, that's what was crazy. I remember that. It's like we won the national championship. <laughs> like, I, like we really felt like we won a national championship the way they treated us when we came back. But we always had great fans. And without them, none of this would have been possible anyway, to be honest. Uh, this is the first that I'm actually thinking back and doing it. So um, it's a great accomplishment. Um, I think one of the cool parts is just when you do reflect understanding how how positively it affected so many people it wasn't just about us getting to a final four you think about um you know the everybody on the court after we win the elite the elite eight and uh how much the the people of west virginia rallied around it and um it just had such a positive impact on so many people i think that's the coolest thing about it the memories are still as vivid as ever for everyone involved you know, I've told people I've been to two Final Fours. And like I said, I've, I've been a part of teams that won championships, conference championships, and things like that. And I tell people, you know, even that year of going to the Final Four, winning the Big East tournament, going through the gauntlet that we did in that Big East tournament, was probably the best, best game, the best time, the best thrill, thrill of my life. Well, 40 years I coached for college basketball and, and being a head coach twice and being an assistant coach for another team that went, went to the national championship and went to the final four and won the national championship. There's no doubt in my mind, the best 10 years of my coaching career of the 40 years, there's no doubt, it's not even close. Coaching at West Virginia University was the best 10 years of Billy Hahn's life. I mean, 
I would not give it up for anything in the world. Uh, become a great fan of the state of West Virginia. I will never leave Morgantown, West Virginia, as long as I live. Uh, my wife will never leave Morgantown, West Virginia, as long as she lives. There's a bunch of things that happened in our lives here in Morgantown, in the state of West Virginia, that are special and that can never be replaced by any other thing or money or whatever. Pretty good place. Magical, to be honest, because it was just, it was love coming from everywhere. Wherever you go, whatever store you walk in, whatever class you walk in, like wherever you, whether you go downtown, you don't go downtown, it's just, it was just love. Everything was all love. And I mean, it still is to this day. Like when you think about it, like there's, like he says all the time, there's no professional teams. We're all we got, man. And like, you know how bad people think about West Virginia. And like we always get the short end of the stick. We always get screwed over on a lot of different things just because we're West Virginia, you know, so. And you think about like the coal miners and the hardworking people here. It's just a blue collar state. So we just tried to, I took personal pride in that. Like I tried to mirror with the people here, you know, you know what I mean? So, Cause they don't want to, they come in from working on the coal mines all day. They don't want to see us out there playing soft and, you know, just not giving it, giving it, <laughs> giving it our all. So I just tried to, yeah, I definitely took pride in that. That's the thing about us. Like a lot of us didn't belong in the NBA, but uh, we just worked hard. So like we're blue collar, we're a blue collar team and we just outworked talent. You know what I mean? But, uh, I was definitely supposed to go to the NBA, you know, but it just didn't happen, didn't work out that way. <laughs> it is um, one in a million chance that somebody will have a team and a season and those kind of guys around them in their in their life, in their basketball or any other sport, baseball, football, whatever, uh, in their career, it's one in a million chance. And I'm, I'm very proud and so fortunate to be a part of that team and to be able to call all of them my friends and, you know, be in the same court with them. It was... Uh, such an amazing experience for me. I still, you know, living my life because of those moments. I'm my only child. I come out to West Virginia, which I've never been to, but maybe one time before that. Don't really know much about the people. Don't really know much about anything. <laughs> I'm 18, like, and I meet people that, uh, I'll like be tied to forever. Like, and I don't think it's just like the whole college aspect of it. It's like, these are like my boys, my brothers until the day I die. Like, because we were on the same team, because we went through the things we went through, how we went through them, how we beat every negative anything and how we had bad times too like all that shit we did it all together you know so like I could never like it's like basically like the most important and the best time of my life because it's like what made me who I am today so
This is the team that laid the foundation for the house that Hugs built. They're the reason there's an alumni locker room in the basketball practice facility in Morgantown. Through this nucleus of players, the final forecast was born. The WVU basketball alumni game became a way for the team to reunite, put on a show for fans, and through five games so far, they've been able to raise more than $30,000 for charities across the state. Plus, Best Virginia, the team of WVU alumni playing in the TBT, that became a reality thanks to this group. That camaraderie has done more for the Mountaineer program over the last 10 years than most of them will ever know. It's funny because it's, it's still all love here. Like if I go to the football games, if sometimes if I'm in Walmart or sometimes if I go out to eat, it's still all love. So, I mean, I appreciate it, always will appreciate it. And I mean, it's his home. I always tell people West Virginia is my second home. It's to the point now I wear so much West Virginia stuff everywhere. People think I'm from West Virginia. Uh, so I, I always carry that pride. Um, that pride with me and man the people have shown me not only me but everybody that's graduated and, and everybody that's still playing so much support man you can't thank them enough it's uh, definitely a family environment every time we come back we most of us have places here in West Virginia coach Huggins is uh like gracious enough to let us come back and use the practice facility whenever we want so it's like I, I tell people stuff like this that go to other programs and they can't believe it because a lot of guys that go um, that go back to their programs don't get this access or a lot of guys don't even go back to their programs because they're not uh, they're not that tight knit as we are. So it makes me appreciate it uh, that much more. The family that we built here. That's great. I, I um, you know, I'm happy that I was able to to I'm not sure who started the chat. I want to say I started it, uh, but who knows? The chat has started and it's it's been awesome just getting a, a basic understanding of where people are at in life. Uh, you know, we have Frank Young in the chat. We have, I think, Ted Talkington's in the chat, uh, Jamie Smalligan, Rob Summers, John, Deshaun, um, Johnny, uh, Cam, uh, Cam Payne, and Cam Thurman. Um, if you ever get Kevin to talk about group chats, he hates it. He hates group chat. So, you know, he's, get, he's been kicked out a few times. Alex Rudolph is in the group chat. Uh, we try to get Joe Alexander in the group chat. He would love it. Uh, but unfortunately, I think he has some kind of Israeli number. And I think maybe there's something that's blocking us there to be able to do that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's great just getting a basic understanding of where people are at, are, are at in life. At this point, everybody's had kids. At least most people have had kids. Uh, most people are married. Um, or if not, they're moving on in, in their careers. Um, and it's just, it's just awesome that we're able to stay close, uh, knowing that we've been through wars and battles, um, uh, during our time as, as, uh, as teammates, uh, and that we're able to have this extended family that spans across the globe. Um, it's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. I, I wouldn't trade for the world. It's crazy to me that it's been 10 years already. Like, it just kind of makes me feel old. Like, wow, that's that happened 10 years ago. Um, but I, I cherish those moments even to this day. I have um, I have my Final Four cheer in my apartment right now. I have my uh, Final Four stuff hanging around my apartment, hanging around my house. So even to this day, and then I have, um, we still, 
all of us are around working out and practicing with the younger guys is just a big family and I'm I'm happy to be a part of it and I definitely made the right choice about uh the university I went to and not a lot of people can say that that they um they spent 4 years at a place that and they didn't regret they didn't regret any um any of those years so I can definitely say that how would summarize my time at WVU I mean, it's obviously one of the best times I've had. That time at West Virginia shaped who I am now um, as a person and as a coach. And it was the beginning of, you know, growth in, in my life um, on and off the basketball court. Like so many things that are going on in my life now um, happened in West Virginia and a lot of because of the people and relationships that I built. And I'm looking for, you know, the next generation of uh, WVU players to actually bring it all the way home and get a national title, which I think is possible. Thank you for joining us and thank you for letting me take you back on our trip through this historic Final Four run from 2010. There's no doubt that this team will go down as one of the best to ever put on the Golden Blue. And for me, like I'm sure for many of you listening, they gave us some of the best memories of our lives. If you love this series, share it from the very beginning with your friends and family. And of course, be sure to join the guys, Deshaun, John, and Kevin for the final forecast too. Thanks for listening to the show. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Final Forecast or call us at 304-807-9098.